What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Behind the Glass Sports Podcast. We thank you guys for tuning in. Special edition today, joined by Harrison Wind of DNVR, covers all things nuggets for them. We're super excited to have him on. We had Zach Stevens on not too long ago, so we're just trying to go all all territories, I suppose you can say. Harrison, thanks again so much for the time, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's going to be tough to follow up my guy, Zach, but I'll do my best. Well, all we're hoping, because when we had Zach on the first time, uh, we had to try <laughs> like three or four different times because he would get going in an answer, and then he would drop off. Um, so I don't know what happened there. So hopefully... We don't have the same issues here, and it's just smooth throughout. But, no, we were excited to have Zach. We're super excited to have you. Uh, we love talking nuggets with anyone we can get in touch with. So let's dive right into it. Obviously, the draft was a couple of days ago, and we'll get to um, we'll get to that and the nugget selection, what you think there. But I just want to pick your brain on, first and foremost, just kind of how last season went and how it ended. You know, coming off of the Western Conference Finals, you know, in the bubble, you know, there was a lot of optimism. Jamal Murray seemed to really emerge as that second star alongside Nikola Jokic. Um, the team started off kind of slow, as we know, last regular season, um, you know, with a shortened offseason and things like that. So you go through that adversity. And then post, you know, trade deadline, I mean, they look like a team that not only could be back in the Final Four, but a team that possibly could end up in the finals if things bounce their way. Uh, they were just playing that good with Aaron Gordon on the team. I just want to get your sense of where is this team at mentally? Front mm-hmm. office, players, where are they at mentally, attitude-wise with how this season ended? Is there a sense of, like, we kind of got robbed of potentially doing something special? Uh, what What is your sense with that? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think they felt like they got robbed. Uh, I, I think they feel like if they were healthy, they could have beat the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I, and who knows what would have happened at that point. So, yeah, I'd say that's appropriate. And I think that line of thinking, it's funny, is kind of going to follow into what the team does this summer because I don't anticipate drastic changes. I don't anticipate like the Nuggets changing up their core players, their core group of guys. I think they'll look to make moves around the edges, try to bring as many of their free agents back uh, who were with the team last year, Will Barton, Jamichael Green, and others, because they feel like they do have the squad and injuries really just robbed them of what could have been. Um, So that's their mindset, and I'd say I agree with it. The tricky part is you don't know if that will be actualized next season because Jamal Murray's a huge question mark in terms of when he'll get back and what he'll be able to contribute when he gets back. So at some point next year, the team will look the same, but usually when you come back from an ACL injury, you're not the same player right away. Um, so, so that's the conundrum that the Nuggets find themselves in. Uh, they think they're right there. They think last year they could have been right there. Um, but you know, even if they run it back, which I think they want to, and they really might, you don't really know what that final product's going to look like. You know, when Jamal could get back at the end of the year. Yeah, let's get to the the draft real quick because obviously they, they draft Bones Highland, um, who, by the way, uh, watched his um, interview with you guys. That was fantastic. Um, <laughs> he has uh, he has a lot of energy. 
Uh, the Nuggets seemed to like him, but when when they were up at that point, do you feel like why why go with someone who maybe is more of well, at least what seems like more of a project than someone um, that could come in and impact the team defensively uh, right away? I, I know you had McBride and Butler sitting there, so like why? Why Bones and not someone more on the defensive side of things? Yeah, I think it's a good question. Um, I mean, I thought Jaden Springer and Deuce McBride would be two really solid fits as well. Um, But it's funny, like, we do this entire process, or at least I look and scout the draft for, like, three months leading up to the draft, maybe, maybe two months, really, once the Nugget season ends and uh, the draft kind of starts. The Nuggets have been scouting these players and gathering intel on these players and thinking about how these players might fit on this team for years and years. Um, So there's something that they didn't like about Springer and McBride, you know, enough to push them in the direction of Bones Highland. And, And look, when you pick a guy at 26, it's gonna be tough for that guy to get on the court Anyway, um, like, I don't really think Jaden Springer or Deuce McBride really would have played next season regardless, you know, if they had been chosen with that pick at number 26. I mean, yeah, you you can wonder what they would have done down the line, but I don't think either of those guys would have helped right away. And I think the Nuggets thought that as well. I really didn't even get the sense they were that high on Jaden Springer at all. Um, They liked Quentin Grimes, I think, who, who went the pick ahead of them, who would was more NBA ready. Um, but I, I think in Bones Highland, they just wanted to take who they thought was the best player available. Um, and, and I think they'll look to address defense in free agency. Uh, probably not in the trade market, but probably in free agency. And look, like, remember the impact that Shaq Harrison made on the defensive end of the floor last year? You know, that that's a better impact than, like, a Jaden Springer would have made this coming season. So I think Denver could look at that and say, all right, like we can make a move around the edge to get an uh, impact defender like that for a super low cost rather than spending, you know, a first round pick on an 18 year old and, and kind of work it that way. Now we know with, with Bones, you're getting a guy who, I mean, he's an instant bucket. I think he averaged just under 20 points per game um, in college. I mean, we know his range is stupid, Um, like off the dribble, um, you know, with the ball. He's not just a spot-up shooter, so it's going to be fun to watch him from there. But I'm curious to see how you feel about this. Do you think this pick also part of the Nuggets thinking behind this was kind of like a, a brace for impact type of pick? And what I mean by that, could they possibly be looking ahead to think, you know, if we lose Will Barton in free agency... Um, and you know, Jamal gonna, you know, is gonna be out. I know you said it's unlikely that bones really sees a lot of playing time, but just in case, you know, Barton leaves, could they have been kind of hedging their bets a little bit to try and bring in a guy who they know scoring won't be an issue necessarily for him. Do you think that's a fair assumption? Uh, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. Like if you look back at the draft last year, when they got Zeke Najee, they, I think, picked Zignaji in part because they kind of needed another big man. That There was an opening in their roster there. 
But, you know, they take Zeke Naji and he barely plays his rookie season. So it's like, you know, did they really need another big man? And is that really the reason they took him? Um, look, yeah, if Will Barton's not back, and obviously Jamal Murray's not going to play for the first chunk of next season, yeah, that, that definitely opens the opportunity for Bones Highland to play. And he is a scorer, and he can fill it up. And I really do think he's going to be able to score. Um, you know, not at the level he did in college, but at a pretty good level when he gets here. You know, but still, I it's tough to see him really playing a lot next year. It's funny. Uh, Tim Conley even tempered the te- expectations a little bit on that post-draft call when he said, look, it's really going to be up to Michael Malone. And look, we know Michael Malone doesn't like to play rookies. So uh, we've seen that, you know, over the last six years. So even if the Nuggets lose Will Barton, yeah, he could play a little more, but I don't think it's the type of thing where next season he's playing 20 minutes a game. You know, maybe in seasons beyond, he's fast-tracked, but I don't think next season, you know, it, it would mean that he's suddenly a central part of the rotation. So as far as Will Barton, I know I mentioned Barton, but I'm just I'm just thinking when you look at Barton, when you look at Green, do we know what they're seeking contract-wise? Um, and if you had to take a guess... Are either of these guys back with the team next year? Is your gut feeling saying both are back? One is back. One's more likely than the other. What, what do you What do you think? Yeah, if I had to say, I'd say one of them is back. Maybe both. Um, look, I think Will Barton wants to come back from what I gather, from what I've heard. Like, if it was up to him, he'd be back. Um, now, look, he wants to secure some long-term money you can't blame him where he is at his point in his career he's 30 years old he's been injured these last couple of years uh he's got to secure some long-term money here so i think he really wants to do that in denver and i've heard he's willing to take somewhat of a hometown discount to stay in denver now how big of a hometown discount we'll see like if the knicks come in and strike out on all their other free agents and uh, back up the Brinkstruck for Barton, like, yeah, he might take that. But, you know, if the Nuggets offer him a contract that's like 14, 15 million a year, I think he'd seriously consider that. So I wouldn't be surprised if Barton was back. I think he wants to come back. And with you, Michael Green, I think there's a scenario where he could come back as well. I think the Nuggets really need you, Michael Green. I think they need his toughness. Uh, they kind of need that edge he provides. They don't really have another guy like that on the interior right now. And for him, he's, I think he's seeking a contract that's pretty similar to what he signed with Denver last summer. You know, a one-year deal with a player option for the next season. That's probably a little bump up from what he was on this year. So, you know, there's a scenario where I can see them both back. Uh, the Nuggets want to bring them both back. Um, so it's really going to be up to them in the end. So in case either of these guys leave is there any backup plan do you think in their mind have you heard any names being floated around of of guys they're possibly interested interested in i saw tj mcbride tweet earlier today that um there's some interest in a guy like doug mcdermott um have you heard of any names that you know they're keeping an eye on in free agency that could possibly be that sort of plan b in case you know will or jermichael leaves yeah, I would think if you're looking at players nuggets to target, uh, veterans who have playoff experience, who have been around the block, 
who know the game and can come in and contribute right away. Uh, I have heard Doug McDermott as well. I've also heard Jeff Green, potentially. Uh, I'd keep an eye on him. He was in Brooklyn last year, played really well on a minimum contract. He wants a little bump up. Um, and both those guys, I think, could, you know, could, could fortify Denver's bench unit. Uh, Jeff Green's a really solid player. He can play the four. Um, he can play some small ball five. So if Jermichael Green doesn't come back, maybe he's the guy. Uh, maybe he comes here even if Jermichael Green is here. Um, but, yeah, I have heard Doug McDermott as well. Uh, I think he'd be a great fit in Denver. The Nuggets like him. I mean, I'm sure a lot of teams are going to like him. What good team wouldn't want Doug McDermott? So, yeah, th those are definitely two names I'd keep an eye on. Now, a little bit of a touchy subject uh, with, with Nuggets fans. Um, luxury tax. We just saw the Bucks, uh willing to make a big move um, and slightly go into luxury tax. I don't think they went too far into it. But um, obviously, Connolly in the front office, they're not going to come on and say, no, we're not going into luxury tax. But do you get a sense that maybe they're looking uh, to get a team-friendly deals for Barton and Green done? Are they, are they willing to knowing that MPJ and, and Gordon's deal is coming right around the corner, is that something that they're going to be willing to do going into luxury tax? Uh, even going out and getting, you know, someone in free agency or through maybe a big trade if, if someone's available, uh, is that a possibility? I think they'll go into luxury tax if they have to. Yeah, uh, I, I believe them when they say it. Um, and, and look, honestly, uh, like – Going into luxury tax this year, just financially, probably isn't the smartest idea because Jamal Murray's out. You don't really know what he's going to look like when he comes back. Um, I, I, I think if the Nuggets are going to go, go into luxury tax, they have to have, like, yes, a bona fide, bona fide, bona fide contender. They have to be right there. And that's probably the case you have to present to ownership if you're going to do that. So... When the time comes, yeah, I think they would dip slightly into it. Like, they're not going to go full Golden State, obviously. Um, but I think they will pay it, you know, if they really have that contender. And if it is that year and there's that move out there that can put them over the top, you know, say a couple years from now or after next season when Michael Porter Jr. is on his next contract, which I think will be a max deal. And you've got to make the decision to – you know, re-sign Aaron Gordon or not, give him an extension. If that's the move, yeah, if that's the move that dips them into the luxury tax and Aaron Gordon is that guy next season and has a really good year, yeah, I can see them doing that. So it won't be a James Harden situation in Oklahoma City, uh, at least with MPJ? No, 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 no. I, I think the Nuggets are going to give Porter a max deal. Um, I don't really think it's a topic of debate, you know? <laughs> Uh, they put so much work into getting Michael Porter to this point. And I think they'll, they're not going to be happy to pay it, but I think they're, they're perfectly fine uh, giving him a max deal. Now there was a quote the other day. I think it was yesterday. I think it was from Tim, uh, Tim Connolly as well. Uh, just on Jamal's rehab. You know, he's attacking it as we all thought Jamal would. 
Um, he's chomping at the bit to get back, you know, really just doing everything he can to be available next season. But I think in in the quote too, you know, Tim was like, we, we also want to urge him to kind of slow it down a little bit. You know, don't rush this. Um, what have you heard about Jamal re- Jamal's rehab, how that's going? And is there some sort of estimate or guess of when he might be returning next year? From all reports that, that I've heard, it's going great. He's been really aggressive with it. He's been attacking it, as Tim said the other night. Um, I think it's still a little too early for, like, yes, he's going to come back by this time. But, I, I mean, typically, it's a 12-month injury. And if you look at how the schedule shapes up for this coming season, you know, everything's still a little out of whack with the COVID year and the NBA schedule and whatnot. The playoffs are going to start like right at the 12 month mark from his injury. Uh, So that's kind of the the typical timeline for an ACL, but you know, knowing Jamal, I expect him to come back earlier than normal. I expect him to come back ahead of schedule. So Maybe March is a realistic time, like 11 months. Um, no, he, Nuggets aren't going to let him come back before he's ready, but I, I expect him to be, you know, ahead of the normal timeline for when guys typically come back from an ACL. But, but even then, when he does come back, you know, if you look at Zach Levine and when he came back from an ACL a couple of years ago, like you look at him now, he, he totally regained his athleticism. He's an even better player than before. He's stronger. He's, he's maybe even more athletic. Um, it takes a bit to get up to speed. Like Zach Levine had a lot of eight point games, 12 point games, 10 point games when he came back from that injury. So um, he, Jamal's probably not going to get back to the level we know he can get to when he, when he returns. Uh, for, for the most part, I think we can all agree MPJ had a nice season last year. Um, there were moments when he flashed his potential and there were moments where he struggled. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on how he played last year and have you heard anything about MPJ and how he's attacking the offseason to get better? Yeah, I thought he had a great year and I think he's going to be an absolute monster next season uh, because Denver needs him to be, and he's gonna like he's gonna have the entire offense at his disposal pretty much without Jamal Murray. Like the Nuggets will need him to score twenty plus points a game, and I think he's gonna take that and run with it. Uh, I think what's so tough about Jamal Murray's injury is in February, in March, the big three were really developing an incredible chemistry together. I really think that. Nicole Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., those guys were really learning how to play together. They were playing well off of one another. And that's always been the kind of roadblock that those guys had to get through. Yeah, Michael Porter Jr. is an incredible individual player. He's an incredible scorer, one of the best shooters in the league already, good rebounder. But he has to play really well and mesh with those two if the Nuggets are going to win a championship. And they were well on their way in February and March last year before Jamal Murray's injury. So all in all, I thought he had a really good season. That being said, he really struggled again defensively in the playoffs. And yeah, he was a little better defensively. Or I'm not even going to say a little better. He was better defensively in the playoffs this season than he was in the bubble. But still, um, like, can I sit here and say he's going to be 
significantly better defensively in the playoffs next year? You know, I don't know because he looked significantly better in the regular season. And then, you know, that he was still targeted in the playoffs. He, he still kind of was a minus on that end at times. So um, all in all, I think last season was a success for him. This off season, he's got to get stronger. He's got to, he's got to get his hands stronger so he doesn't get stripped so much. He's got to work on his ball handling. And I think those are both things that he's going to do. Um, but, but starting next season, I mean, he's going to have the ball in his hands. The Nuggets are going to need him to score 25 a game, maybe. Uh, so expectations for next year are certainly through the roof. Now we know that the Nuggets were, were pretty overmatched, you know, with all the injuries that they had, I mean, against Phoenix, you mentioned earlier, you know, they, they probably feel that they would have beat Phoenix. I think a lot of Nuggets fans. Uh, feel that you know if they were fully healthy that the, the series would have turned out differently but they were overmatched against that team but you know a, a mini topic of discussion that's kind of came out after the after the postseason ended and, and maybe even during the run was resting Nikola Jokic a little bit more and I remember vividly I think it was game two um, and there was I think it was in the second quarter there was a shot of Nikola on the sidelines as he was waiting for the ball so he can inbound it where his hands were fully on his knees and he was breathing a little bit heavy and I was like man he's he's actually tired like he's he's tired you can see it he's feeling it um, is there a sense that they're gonna try and rest him more and do you think Nikola will go for that because we know he he prefers to play. Um, do you think there's going to be some compromise in that? You know, maybe next year they sit him on a second night of a back-to-back. Or if, you know, it's a Tuesday night against, you know, Charlotte and it's a close fourth quarter, maybe we see if the, the bench unit or the second unit can close this one out instead of bringing him back in and he's playing 38 minutes in, you know, December. Yeah, so I asked Michael Malone this exact question right after the season ended if he had any thoughts about how they'll manage it next year and to my surprise he said yes and he provided a pretty detailed plan of what they're gonna do he said they're gonna assess the schedule when it comes out and then circle five to ten games where Nicole Jokic is gonna sit so that was their plan right after the season ended for next year um now, like, that could change. There can be an audible on it. Um, but I got to take Michael Malone at his word and say, like, yeah, that's, that's their rough plan of what they're going to do next season. Because you're totally right. The, the mental and physical fatigue of this season, and even going back to last season, I mean, they pretty much played two straight seasons of basketball with very little rest in between. Two very, very taxing seasons where there was just so much else going on. So he was drained. And I think it's definitely the right decision if you're going to sit him for five to ten games back-to-backs, if there's three games and four nights, or if you can just tell uh, he really needs one. Now, does he want to sit? No. He he wants to play in every game. Um, That's what you love about him. He never wants to sit. He just looks looks at it like it's his job to play basketball. That's what they're paying him to do. And he's just going to go out and play every time if he can. Uh, He doesn't look for excuses like that. Um, But I think he will recognize, he will look back at this season and he knows he was tired. Like he'll, he'll never admit it, but he knows he was tired physically and mentally. Um, So I think if Denver goes to him with that plan, he'll respect it. 
and embrace it and go along with it. Where where does the team stand with some of its young guys? Um, Najee, Bol Bol, Howard. Um, do are you expecting them to have bigger roles this year, um, or is it more of same as last year? Continue to develop. If we need them, then we'll throw them in. I think the one guy out of that group that you can really look at and say, okay, this guy's going to be in the rotation is Zeke Naji. Um, he, I think, could be the Nuggets' third or fourth big man next season, like first big man off the bench, especially if Jamichael Green doesn't come back. Um, but the Nuggets really, really like Zeke Naji. I think he even could have played rotation minutes last year, to be honest. Like, he looked ready defensively in particular he, he's a really impressive defender individual and team wise for a guy as young as he is so i think zeke naji is going to be in the rotation next season I, I feel pretty confident in that marcus howard um i think he'll be back for sure he's playing summer league it's going to be a really good opportunity for him uh, is he going to be in the rotation I don't see that. Like, I, he'll definitely play more in the regular season than he did last year, but is he one of your top nine guys? Probably not. Um, but I think he did show enough in the playoffs where you can at least trust him out there. Uh, when it comes to Bull, I don't feel as confident that he'll be back. Tim Connolly gave a pretty non-committal answer when he was asked if he's going to play in summer league, pretty much saying that, it's up to him, or at least that's how I read it. It's up to Bull if he wants to play in Summer League. So I wouldn't be surprised if Nugget traded Bull before next season. I don't think that's like breaking news. I think that's kind of what everybody assumes. Um, I mean, he just needs to play. He just needs to play in Summer League. He needs to play in the G League. So um, I, I think if he plays with Nuggets at Summer League, well, maybe that's a positive sign, but you know, we'll see. What do you think has gone like wrong with Bowles' trajectory? I mean, obviously he's you know it's only one year, but I mean, what is it just like fit? Um, is it maybe something with him, his his attitude, his makeup? I mean, is there what's holding him back? Do you think, or have you heard anything? Well, honestly, it's partly it's just a tough situation because he's so young, he's so raw, and he's played so little. And part of that is because the Nuggets don't have a G League team or didn't up until this coming season. That would have been the best situation for him if he could have played in the G League or played for a team that, you know, wasn't a contender. If he could have played, you know, on the Sacramento Kings or the Timberwolves these last couple of years and gotten some real minutes, I feel like that really would have helped him. Um, so th that's probably most of it. Um, if he, you know, if he just was able to get some minutes and it's really tough to do in Denver. I mean, he played some spot minutes. Remember those games he started uh, or that game he started against the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant, like there just really wasn't an opportunity for him to get real playing time in Denver. And I think, you know, for his career, he's just got to go somewhere where, a team isn't trying to win right now and he can just play and make mistakes and just learn because he hasn't gotten the chance to play at all in Denver. Makes sense. All right. Last one for you here, Harrison. Um, obviously there were a couple guys and you mentioned one of them earlier that came in, you know, mid season, late season 
and you know did some nice things for Denver. Two of them being Shaq Harrison. You know, defensively, uh, he was what out of the league for you know a little bit there after being cut, I think, by Utah. And then Austin Rivers was another guy who was who was completely out of the league. Um, and he came in and he had a, a huge impact in that Blazers series. Not so much in Phoenix, the Phoenix series, but what do you see happening with those two guys? Um, you know, I would, I would think Austin Rivers is more likely of the two to be back, if any of them. Uh, do you foresee those guys being back next year? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Austin Rivers probably a little more likely. Look, it wasn't hard to tell that he really liked being in Denver. He loved the organization. He loved the culture. He loved playing on this team. So I think he'd want to be back. But on the other hand, how he played in Denver after, you know, like being home on his couch for a while, I really think that raised his value just around the league and in free agency. So if he can secure more money and maybe a bigger role somewhere else, he might jump at that. But, like, if Will Barton doesn't come back, if he signs somewhere else, I can see the Nuggets going to Austin Rivers and being like, look, we need you. And suddenly there's more playing time available for him here. So I think even with Barton coming back or if he comes back, the Nuggets definitely do have interest. They would love to bring Austin Rivers back. But for him, I think he's looking, you know, to kind of capitalize on that run he made with the Nuggets in the playoffs and cash in in that respect. So I'd say he's more likely to be back. All right. That's going to do it for us. Harrison, we appreciate your time again, man. You guys can follow him on Twitter at Harrison wind. Excellent follow. If you're looking for anything nuggets related, um, anything that people should be on the lookout for from you or DNVR as a whole that you, you want to pub? Uh, well, what do we got next? Summer league in a week. Jesus. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll actually all be out at Summer League, the whole DMVR crew. So not quite sure what that's going to be, but <laughs> right. we'll have a lot of really fun content for sure at Summer League. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks again, Harrison, for taking the time, man, to join us today. We really appreciate it. Huge shout out to Harrison Wynn for joining us. Appreciate his insight and all that he does on DNVR. Go check him out if you don't follow him on Twitter. Um some really good stuff there. Um, you know, I think it's not it's not anything that I don't think we we're completely shocked by. You know, I think the Nuggets are actually pretty good at just being straightforward. I think everybody just kind of knows where this team's going, at least for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. the, just the big question marks is, you know, the you know what's going to happen with Barton and Green. Um, but I, I think, and you mentioned it in the interview, uh, Bones Highland, like they, his energy and just he, oh, it's fantastic. he I, actually you, wants to be like you can tell he actually like wants to be here <laughs> did you watch his interview with them i didn't watch the full interview it though. was it was great it he he you know i i think they picked him because he just fits with the team his personality mm-hmm. um and i think the, the nuggets are in that that place where you know you can go out and get the best available but if he doesn't fit with your team then it's never gonna work um and i think bones he has it's funny his nickname is exactly what he is he's just bones right oh now. yes absolutely right like and not just not just how he looks but his his game um he's very raw but he can you know how when you look at players 
And when you want a player to be like great players, like for example, let's take Giannis, right? Giannis is a great player. He's good at almost everything. Obviously, shooting is his one weakness, but he's good at passing. He's a really good defender, um, maybe even great defender. Um, like, but the one thing that makes him like what he's special at is finishing at the rim, right? Getting to the rim finishing at the rim and that's kind of what he was coming out of uh or coming you know once he was drafted as a rookie that's kind of what he was and i think as for rookies what i look for is what are you great at if you're not great at anything is there something that you can become great at because if if not then they're never gonna be a special player at least what well, i don't want to say never but more than likely they're never gonna be a, a special player because I think all special players have one thing that they're just absolutely special at. And for Bones, it's his shot. Uh, it's his range. That's where he is super, super special. And I'm not comparing him to Steph, but when Steph came out, obviously Steph had better uh, had a better handle um, I think Steph was a better passer when he came out of college. But when you look at Bones Highland and Steph, the one thing that you could say both of them were special at coming out of college is not just their three-point, like, not just their shooting percentages, but their range, how far they could shoot it out from. And that's something that, I mean, I we didn't obviously get to, get to see VCU a lot this past season, but... And I don't think they played in the tournament. I think something had happened uh, with the tournament, uh, so they didn't they didn't get into the tournament. But if we had seen them, I think Bones Highland would have been a lottery pick, because when you watch his highlights, or just just a game, like I I have never seen a college kid with so much confidence that he willingly shot threes from the logo multiple times in a game like he was like for almost every three that he takes he is several feet away from the nba three-point line because in, at vcu when you look at their court they have the nba three-point line on there so like i i have i've never seen a college kid with that much confidence and then his interview showed it i mean he has so much confidence in his shot um, and as far as his playmaking and handling, I, I just don't think he, he was an off guard. He didn't have the ball in his hands a lot. He, he came off screens, took shots like that, but he can, he can shoot off the dribble. And, and I, and he said it in one of his interviews, I don't know which one, I don't know if it was the Nuggets or, or what just a media member, but he had said, he was asked what his most underrated part of his game is. And, and he said, um, his playmaking that he he that that's something that he likes to do just wasn't asked to do very much um and yeah, he had he's a different role this year yeah his his freshman year he was more of that point guard whereas this year he's coming off screens pin downs all of that and he was fantastic so i think they got i think they got an opportunity to have a big steal here with Bones Highland. I don't know if it'll work out. Obviously, there's a reason why these guys are picked in the 20s. 
Um, but we've heard a lot throughout this draft that this is a deep draft. So if it does end up being a deep draft and this guy is obviously in a, in a right situation, which I think he is, I think the Nuggets do a great job at, uh, at developing. If he puts in the work and maybe gains a little bit more weight, um, I think he can be, I think he can be a starter in the league at some point. Well, you know what it kind of reminds me of is um, is Malik Beasley in a sense. Not necessarily that their games are similar, but just kind of like a pathway that he can look at and see, okay, this guy, because, I mean, people remember, like, coming out of Florida State, Malik Beasley was one of, like, the top scorers in the ACC. Right. And a guy who could shoot. Now, obviously, he wasn't pulling up from the logo, but a guy who could shoot, who could score, was a little bit more thin build coming in. And by the time he left, I mean, Malik Beasley got a right. good deal, right, in Minnesota. And, and you know what he can do. I mean, I still love Malik Beasley as a player. Uh, there's some off-the-court you know, court stuff that kind of questionable. But I think that's kind of, if there's any hope that with this organization and how they develop guys, maybe that's a pathway that he can take. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, obviously I was more... Um, Butler, McBride, not so much Springer. I'm I'm warming up to the guy. I mean, he has a good attitude. Obviously, you know, by the time we see him pull up from the first logo and he hits it, now Malone's going to die every time he's on the court. <laughs> I, I already see this. Anytime he is on the court, he's Malone's going to turn just beat. Remember, remember when Steph was dribbling all around? I believe it was against maybe the Clippers. I, I can't remember. But at the top, of the key and he kind of dribbling like in and out through like three guys and he's like his body is towards the other side of the court and he just turns around and throws up a three and and they after and he makes it but then they show Kurt in the replay and his hands are just on his head and then when he when it goes in he just he's just like whatever yeah oh, yes. okay I fully expect That's something like that. yeah um I fully expect something like that uh because you know with him now he's not he's not afraid but you have to be careful with guys who are fearless because sometimes that can just turn into bad shot taking you know they they are they're not smart yeah. shot takers but, but, but they're shot makers but you I have put, to, I, shot I, I selection is it it might be an issue sure i watched one of his games though it's not like he's i don't know how to explain it the the shots that he's he's taking they're not J.R. Smith threes. They're Stephen Dame threes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. He, he, he's so far out that they're not guarding him up, up up close. So in theory, it's an open shot for him. And if you have that range, then why not take it? If if look, okay, uh, one of his interviews, uh, one of with uh, one of the I don't know, uh. Maybe was it the ringer? I, I can't remember who he interviewed with, but they said they brought up a stat where from 27 feet on, he shot 37% from three. Or he shot 37% from 27 feet or, or, or farther. That's that is insane. stupid. And so if you can hit at that rate more times than not, that's an open shot every time. Because you're not being – who guards anyone out that far, right? So and especially when 
obviously Dame and Steph, you'd be you you would maybe a little bit, but but even those guys, I mean, some defenders are just like, you know what, take that shot. <laughs> right. I don't care because in in my mind it's a bad shot. Just take it, whatever. I'm not gonna. And and more times than not, I mean, I'm curious to see what their stats are or what their percentages are from from that far, Steph and, and Dame. But more times than not, it, it goes it goes in. Um, but it it's a it looks like a bad shot because it's so far away. But if if you're shooting at a high percentage at 37 percent from that from that range, and you're not being guarded, honestly, I think it's a good shot. And, and so and people have to understand too, like 37 percent, like that's. That's it's not amazing. great. I mean, it's not great like regular three-point shooters. If you're shooting 37, like that's not great, but it's at least respectable, right? Like you can respect that. 38, 30s, like that high 30s, like that's well, okay. If you're I'll shooting over 40s, like that's like, wow, you're a really good three-point shooter. He's shooting like a respectable range in normal three-point range. Nikola Jokic shot 38% from three. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's doing that at the logo is what he's doing. Jamal, Jamal shot, Jamal shot, um, 40%. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and and Jamal's, okay, Jamal's rookie year shot 33%. Second year shot 37, 36, 34. So he's, he is shooting from 27 feet or, or, or more better than Jamal did his first four years. Yeah. That, so... That's where I, I don't I'm, – I'm telling you, I think if VCU – because I, I don't remember what happened. He mentioned something in the interview where they didn't get a shot in the tournament. But he said that – and I agree with him. I think if VCU he, – he said, if we had played in the tournament, I'd be a lottery pick. And I, I, I think so. Because I think he was just hidden, and they didn't use him that – like, they didn't – he didn't have the ball in his hands a lot. Um, he, he shot a, a decent amount, but they're, again, they're, they're having him come off screens and stuff and more, more times than not, he's open. That's why he, he shot at such a high rate. But I, I think if he got a chance in the tournament, I think that's where stars tend to explode like Steph, right? Imagine if, if Davidson didn't make it to the NCAA tournament that year, is Steph the seventh overall pick? Hell no. He's in the twenties. Now again, I'm I'm not saying that Bones Highland is gonna be Steph Curry. I'm just saying, I I think I think the Nuggets have a very good chance at making this the biggest deal of the draft. Like he has with his shooting capability, he has a chance to be a top five player in this draft because that's where the league is going. And if you can shoot. And then kind of figure out the rest of, of, of it later on, then you you can be a special player. Uh, because your shooting makes you special. And here's the thing. He's six foot three, but he has like a six foot eight, six foot nine wingspan. So he has Yeah, he's got long arms. Yeah, he has the framework to become a really good defender. He's just so thin. <laughs> he's just thin. Right. And and look, and, and that's why when you know you're when you brought up guys that could defend already, but maybe weren't like that great of shooters, like they're solid, but you know, they were just all right offensive players. I just, I think defense, defense is something that you can get better at. Defense is something that if you have the, the body, if you have the framework, and then if you have the mentally, if you're willing to be a great defender, then you can figure it out. Will he be a great defender one day? Probably not, but can he be a good defender? 
can he be as good as Jamal Murray or Steph? Yeah. Can he be as good of a defender as Dame? Yeah. But what's going to get him on the court, what's going to get him a lot of minutes, and maybe, and I mean, he said it, he wants to be an all-star one one day. I, if he gets to that point, it's because of not his defense. It's because he can shoot 40% from three and yeah. 37% from 27 out. Listen, there's going to be a night in January. It's going to be a Wednesday. Oh, he's going to hit like seven threes. And <laughs> it's going to be against Memphis, Charlotte, one of right. those type of teams. And he's going to come in. And he's gonna hit, hit. He's just gonna hit and hit and hit, and that's when you're gonna be like, "Oh man!" It's gonna get to a point where he's gonna pull up just to pull up, and Michael Malone is just gonna have to just turn away because yeah. he might die on the bench. Well, he, it's funny because what if we said, "How do you want to build around Jokic?" This is this is exactly how you want to build around Jokic. Now he's a bit undersized, and I think that's the only like eh, he's only six foot three, but I mean. But it's not just his shooting either. He's also a good cutter from like Adam Spinella's breakdown of him. He's a good cutter. And so, and apparently, I think Mike Singer tweeted this out this morning. Um, after the Nuggets selected him, Jokic got in touch with Connolly and said, send me what you have on this kid so I can see how he plays. Um, so, I mean, if there's ever a point, right, where it's Jamal, Jokic, MPJ, and Aaron Gordon, and for whatever reason... He has to be in the lineup. I don't know how you guard that. No, you you can't. And, and that's what I was... Because you can move Jamal to the two. Look, I I said this about RJ Hampton. And RJ Hampton, I, I thought, could be a really good player. Um, but RJ did... RJ's shot was not good. He, he couldn't really... He couldn't really... He was a shoot. finisher. He's a slasher. He's a finisher, slasher guy. I think... I think Bones Highland, I think he and if if someone came from the future and told me that this guy's the starting point guard in three years with Jamal uh MPJ and Jokic, I, I wouldn't be shocked because he's the exact type of guy that they need there at six foot three because you have you like he he's not a great ball handler, right? He's not a natural point guard, but you have guys like Jokic and Jamal, right? So you don't need that. What you need is a guy who's capable of handling the ball, which he is. He can play make, but I think what what can make the Nuggets so special in a year, two, three years is their ability to score one through five and you can't double anyone. That's what will make them special. Because Jokic can score from anywhere, right? He can shoot the three. He's the best playmaker on the team. He's their point guard. Jamal Murray, can, <laughs> he's the best tough shot maker on the team. Um, can score from anywhere. Great in the mid-range. And he has range. He can also hand the ball and play make. MPJ, great three-point shooter. Great shooter in general. Six foot ten. He can get to the rim. He's a great cutter alley-oops, all of that, pin-downs, coming off screens, that's what he can do. And then you put Aaron Gordon, if you have Aaron Gordon, I don't I don't know what you do at the four, but again, I think Aaron Gordon fits that mold of what you would want, where he can hit corner threes, he's a slasher, he can he can play in the dunker spot, that's what you where you would need him to be. And then Bones Highland coming off screens, again, just 
a lot of ball movement, a lot of off-ball movement um, with both him and, and Jamal. And I think if you and MPJ, and I think if you do that, that is almost impossible to stop because they can score from all three levels and all five guys can do it. Yeah, well, I'm just picturing a scenario where a team is like throwing a double at Jokic and he's like, okay, if this is how you want to die, yeah, and I just picture in one corner, there's Bones, at the wing, there's MPJ, and at the top, there's Jamal. And well, then- think about when they were healthy, right? When Jamal was healthy in the four-man lineup of Jamal, MPJ, Gordon, and Jokic in their, their offensive rating. Oh, and Barton, that too, was- yeah. Right, well, and that was with Will. I, I, I think... With this guy, if you put him at, at the one, or, you know, whatever, you have Jamal and him at the one, now I think it's even more dangerous. Well, and even if you want to go on a steroid lineup, right, of just offense, just straight offense, right, and you don't want Gordon in there, and you want to play really small, essentially. Well, I say small, but MPJ's 6'10". I mean, you could theoretically also, if you're feeling froggy, MPJ, Jokic... Barton, Bones, and Jamal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At that point, now everybody on the floor can shoot. Right. So, I mean, you're not helping. You're not helping whoever's guarding Jokic. Now you're just on an island. So if he backs you down, I'm sorry, that's a layup. Uh, if any of us hedge for one second, you know, there's that's a backdoor from MPJ or Barton. Uh, you know, I just now we're right. obviously getting like way far ahead of things, but like oh, that, this yeah, kid I- can score. That, that's the thing. You got to be able to, you know what I'm doing if I'm Malone or any of those coaches? I'm sitting down, bonus highland. I say, okay, I'm going to show you a tape on one guy and just watch what he does without the ball. And I'm showing him Steph. This is what you need to do. This is your role. If you do that off ball movement, we are impossible to stop offensively. And, and, he doesn't the, – the thing is, he's not a guy – because he wasn't taken in the top 10, he's not a guy that needs the ball in his hand. And, and he even said it. He doesn't need the ball in his hand. He loves coming off the screens and, and, and getting the ball, catch and shoot, um, pin downs, whatever. He loves that. So if, if, if that's what his role is, they are impossible to stop. Now – Again, he's not going to play much this year. But I will say this. If he is that special from three and the Nuggets need that, which they do, he's going to play. I mean, we now, hope, I, I, but we, we know with Malone. Yeah, but I, I think for Malone, he just wants effort on defense. And and, and look, Highland has the body to be a good defender. With the, with the long arms, he's quick. He... he he has the capability of doing so. Obviously, he needs to put more weight on, get stronger. But if he puts in the effort defensively, then he's going to play. That's why Bull Bull hasn't played. He is special offense. He can be special offensively. But why doesn't he, Why is he not out there? Because he doesn't play his size, and he's terrible defensively. He doesn't put in that effort. If this kid goes out there and puts in that effort... We just saw, and, and Grant, there was injuries, but look, Jamal's going to be out. We just saw uh, Marcus Howard play big minutes, right? We saw a rookie in Faku, even though he's 30 years old. 
we saw him get big minutes. Why? Because they put in that work defensively. So if he comes out and puts in that work defensively, we know he's going to be special offensively, especially in this system. So if the Nuggets need what he is special at, which they do, then he'll play. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, you know, the continuity thing sounds like it's in full effect again. Um, although there is some some eyes on some guys, according to Harrison. You know, I did see the Doug McDermott thing, which that would be an interesting one. Uh, it'd be kind of funny because, I mean, the Nuggets drafted Doug McDermott and ended up trading him for Gary Harris. Um, but, I mean, I think he's carved out a nice role for himself in the NBA. A wing who can shoot. He doesn't really try and do too much. Uh, maybe like a poor man's Kevin Love type of thing. Um but I'm optimistic. You know, it sounds like he's optimistic too. Harrison Wynn, speaking of him, um, that, you know, Barton's going to be back. Jermichael Green sounds like there's a chance he's back. Um, but I think if you get Barton back, I think, you know, that's fine. And, I mean, for the most part, I think this team can can tread water until Jamal gets back. And then at that point, you know, depending on what you get, hopefully what you're getting from Jamal, hopefully MPJ has taking that step to where you don't necessarily need Jamal to be bubble Jamal. He can be right. 80% Jamal, you know, to where he's he's not necessarily asked to carry the load as much. And and who knows, maybe, maybe Malone turns a new leaf and says, yes, I'm going to have to live with my blood pressure bursting my veins every night. But Bones can do something on this team that really no one else can do. Like MPJ can shoot from distance, but he's not pulling up from the logo. He he doesn't have the um, well. He doesn't have the balls to do it. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I I'm telling. I well, he might. He might. I, I've <laughs> never seen a college kid do what I saw Highland doing. I watched one of the games. I didn't just watch you know his highlights. I well, I did watch his highlights, but one of the games specifically. I've never seen a kid in college like I'm trying. Who's the coach of VCU? What? How did this get to uh, this point? Bones Highland. This Bones Highland is the coach. <laughs> right. The coach. I, I'm like, why? I've never seen this before. But it's because he can do it. Um, Just real quick. The Nuggets traded my twin, Gary Harris. I have a new twin on the Nuggets. Bones Highland, September 14th. This makes me old, no though. No way. Yeah. Are this you makes kidding me, me? This makes me feel old, though. He was born in 2000. Holy that is, that is crap. Insane. He was born um, September 14th as well. Yeah. yeah. So oh, he is instantly my new. Possible. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I just saw that when I looked him up. Um, I just saw that. And that just makes me very happy. I, I have a twin back on the Nuggets, and um, I'm very excited. He is now. Uh, well, Jamal will always be my, my favorite Nugget until he's gone. But uh, he is now my second favorite Nuggets player because of his birthday. I don't think Nuggets draft anybody that has the same birthday as me. <laughs> because no one's special was born on your Dang. Man, if Jokic had the same birthday as me, I'd probably I'd probably die of happiness. <laughs> that is that's insane. But no, I mean this is this is gonna be fun. Um one thing also that stood out to me was just um what he was saying on Bull. It just yeah. really feels like Bull's <laughs> like the where we were in like summer league and you know out of the bubble to what it's been now i mean it just feels like it's completely soured on bowl yeah 
Well, it's a lot like his dad too, right? His dad never really did anything. Um, I he has he has the talent, but I just I I don't he doesn't have the want. Um, and that's why he was drafted in the second round. I think I. I think a lot of the part where I this is actually the first year where I've heard so much about interviews, and I think it's because obviously everything's so digital right now. Um, but the interviews were a big deal uh, this year, and I think that's why Bones was. I, that's why the Nuggets took Bones. But I think you learn a lot from these kids in, in these interviews, and I'm just gonna go ahead and, and guess that Bull Bull's interviews weren't maybe that great. Um, that's why he dropped and, and I think you can kind of tell, uh, he just doesn't have the, the want to be great. Like, I mean, like, maybe I just think it's more so opportunity. I mean, I just, I think a lot of it is opportunity. Even, he just hasn't even gotten when he's, the effort, the effort yeah, sure, defensively, sure. the, the willingness to get better, to get bigger and stronger. Like it's just not, it's just not there. That's fair. Um, I mean, but it looks like we're shaping up for another fun season. I mean, I think Bones is going to instantly be a fan favorite. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. you know he's game like that's that's just yes. He it's funny because a lot of times I I've heard this before where like star players that end up well players that end up becoming stars you can kind of sometimes tell because of their names. Um, he has one of those names now. Obviously, sometimes it doesn't work out, but. Like he just has one of those names where it's like, yeah, I could, you know, I could see him becoming a, a star in this league. Just uh, off his name. He's gonna be fun, and I'm just, I'm just waiting for the moment because Jokic has done this now with the last two prominent guys, MPJ and Bull. There's a moment where with both of them to where he's just like, what are you doing? Like you've seen many times where Jokic just throws his hands up when MPJ shoots something. <laughs> And then I think of the moment in the bubble where Jokic is calling from for the ball from Bull, and he just runs past him like Jokic doesn't exist. And just pulls like, up from three. Yeah, and pulls and then hits it, and Jokic is probably just like, "Well, okay." Uh, there's gonna be a moment where Bones is just gonna pull from the logo, and I just hope someone's got a camera on Jokic so I can see his expression. <laughs> so where he's probably like, "What?" And then he sees it go in, and he's just like, eh, "Okay." Sure. Yeah, summer league's gonna be fun with this kid. I think this kid's gonna light up summer league. I mean, you have him. You have Marcus Howard, who also has never seen a shot he does not like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Nuggets have quite a few of those guys, and and if Bones can even reach, you know, seventy percent of maybe potential, the Nuggets now have. We we know for sure they have three guys who I think are among the top 10 toughest shot makers in the league in Jokic, Jamal and MPJ. This guy too. I mean, you look at some of those shots he hits on guys and shots he takes on guys. I mean, they are tough shots. They're not just yeah. open spot ups. Like this is not what it, that's what I tried to like, you know, mention with when we had Harrison is that he's shooting logos, but it's not like, Oh, I'm just spotting up. Like he's coming, walking into them Guys are going under screens, and he's just like, okay, I'm going to take this now. Um, and there's, you know, step backs and things like that. He's insane, man. He's going to be fun to watch. Um, he's going to make me angry at times, as I'm sure Malone will probably be dead at times. Uh, just have the defibrillator. You know? I, I'm excited to watch this kid. I, I was, um, I, I'm not usually ever excited 
uh, to watch watch rookies that were drafted outside of the lottery, to be honest, just because it's so hard to get one of those guys to work out. Um, but this is, for the first time in a long time, I'm excited to watch this kid play. Uh, so I'm glad Summer League is just in a week. And I think, like we've said before, it is all about your situation. Um, and a lot of that, you know, a lot of times it, your situation kind of determines where your career goes because all these guys are talented. This this kid has a good start. He has a good start with the team that he's on, with the players that that he that are on this team. Um, he has a chance to be to be really good. I know someone brought up a comparison of uh, reminded them of Jamal Crawford. If he could yeah. even just that point, that's I mean that's fantastic. I saw Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford. He's even got. I saw someone mention this. Um, he's even got like the herky jerky style of Will Barton. Yeah. So, I mean, he's kind of Will. I think it was Blackman that mentioned that he's kind of Will Barton esque in that way. You know, kind of a uh, just herky jerky movements. Now, obviously, Will Barton's not shooting like that. But <laughs> no, neither is Jamal Crawford or Lou Williams. Right, but, right. You know, he's he's an interesting offensive player, and he's going to be fun to watch. Um, before we go today, we can at least get people caught up on Broncos training camp. Have you been looking at Twitter? Because apparently Teddy Bridgewater is having an awful day. Three picks, two back-to-back. Uh, one to a defensive lineman that was bad in the air. And then the next play, Kareem Jackson picked him off for a touchdown. And then he threw another interception. Um, I think that one also was was to Kareem Jackson in the red zone. So, yeah, things are going just as as you would expect in Broncos training. Well, it's gonna be it's gonna be Drew Locke, and this is his last chance. Yeah, and we've said it a million times. I look, I, I'll I'll say this: um, if Drew Locke doesn't win this competition by week two of preseason, then this is gonna be a bad year for the Broncos. Like, when when you look at there's those first of all he shouldn't even be in a quarterback competition with Teddy Bridgewater of all guys, right? Like he shouldn't even be at that point. The fact that he is is very frustrating. But even at this point, he should smoke Teddy Bridgewater out of the water. I mean, I it, it shouldn't even be close. Um, and it could you know look it, it could still turn out to be that. I, I do think that he will be the starter, but I don't think they're going to name a starter till you know, week one of the regular season, to be honest, because that's just what this team is doing right now. Um, but I think it's it will be a good sign if after week one we're saying it's Drew's, it's Drew's job. Yeah, I'm, I'm at the point to where, you know, I would like for it to be Drew. I mean, obviously, if you're... I just, I'm just not a believer in Teddy Bridgewater. You just know what he is at this point. He can be solid in moments, but, I mean, he's, he is what he is. Um, but with Drew, it's like, if it's even if it's even a tie or if it's close, just give it to Drew. Like, Drew literally has to look awful, unplayable in my mind, for him to not be the starter. And I think you just roll with him. Um, and, and hopefully he's made progress, even though he's coming off of a bad day couple days ago he bounced back yesterday 
Um, and today it sounds like he's having a pretty good day as well. He had a, I guess, a long pass to Cortland Sutton that was nice. Had a nice little drive going um, a couple minutes ago, but it was stopped uh, short. So it just sucks because this team is really, they have so many pieces. Offensively, defensively. I mean, I'm hearing, you know, whenever I'm listening uh, to, to what people are saying about camp, it's, you know, Sertan looks like the real deal. They're playing him everywhere. Uh, the the DB room is stacked. It's loaded. Um, you know, obviously it's it's to be determined. You know, with how Bradley Chubb and Vaughn are going to look. Vaughn's coming off an injury, and Chubb had the ankle cleanup in May, I think it was. So he's he's still not completely out there yet. But I mean, Noah Fant, Albert O. I was talking to you before we started the podcast with Harrison that Melvin Gordon's arms. Look like my thighs put together. I mean, his arms are huge now. And I thought it was interesting, too. I don't know if you caught this. Uh, did you hear what he said about Philip Lindsay and, like, that situation, how it kind of yeah. got in his head last year? I thought that was interesting. Um, well, it makes sense because they were going back and forth on Twitter. Well, yeah. But, I mean, his, his comment was basically, you know, I felt like I was stealing carries from the hometown guy, which he was. Um, and, you know, I feel like, you know, the fans – didn't really were essentially like weren't really behind him, which I wasn't. So, and I'm the only fan that matters. Um, but I thought that was interesting, and you know, at this point, I'm hoping for the best. You know, hopefully Javante Williams can be good uh, for them. The the running back out of UNC, you know, the wide receiver room. We're hearing great things about Jerry Judy that he's actually looking like a number one out there. Oh, um, the fans looking really good. Yeah, yeah, it was hilarious because I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. Um, they did the Madden, Madden ratings unveil to some of the Bronco players and they got Jerry Judy and he's like, listen, I know I've dropped like 10 balls last year, so I know my <laughs> catch rating is going to be low, so I'll respect it. And they were like, what do you think your catch rating is? And he was like, I think it's like 78, probably 79. And they were like 74. And he's like, are you kidding me? Like his face, like his whole expression just dropped. And he, the guy next to him was just on his gut laughing. And he's like, Madden's doing me like that? Like, I, I, I wasn't that bad. So hopefully he can turn it around. But, I mean, there's... You know, the, the good thing is he's willing to, you know... I, yeah. I, I Look, the, I, I think, and I, I don't know if, if you were on, on this side of things, but I didn't really care about the drops because he's a rookie. All rookies have drops. Um uh cd lamb had a bunch of drops as well so whatever i it's obviously jerry judy's drops we didn't see lamb so to be fair but judy's drops uh came in big moments yeah they were bad um, they're bad drops <laughs> yeah they're bad drops but i mean we know he can catch the ball right like we we saw it in alabama so I think it's more of just being this. This team has so much talent that if if Drew Lock could just figure it out and be a top fifteen quarterback, this team, if he's a top fifteen quarterback, like fifteen, number fifteen, this team wins eleven games. This is a very talented team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And if you had a Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers caliber quarterback. I think this is a Super Bowl contending team. I really do. Um, but that's not the case. That's not where we're at. 
Hopefully, it's not the quarterbacks holding us back again for what what year are we at now? Five, six of this? Well, it will be. It just depends on how much. Yeah. Hopefully, not that no, much. No more excuses. Uh, no. this, this team, this is the most talent that this team has had since 2015, 2016. Um, and they have, this is the best offense, I think, since 2013. Um, at least as far as weapons go. And offensive line. So yeah. this team should be able to win at bare minimum 10 games. Yeah. I don't see why not. I don't see it. I mean, that's that's where we were at. I mean, that's what I said. You know, that's what I've been saying really this entire time leading up. I, I don't see how they don't win nine games to 11 games, how they're not a wild card team, because I think their schedule now on paper, obviously things change during the season. Some teams that sucked last year turned out to be good and vice versa. Um, but I think their their schedule is pretty soft especially in the the early going. I mean, they should go three and one, uh, you know, with what is it? The Giants, Jacksonville, they have another soft team, and then it's the the Ravens. So Mm -hmm. if they're not three and one, I'll be disappointed. So, but yes, no excuses. Um, And if Drew Locke can just, just put it together, and I think part of it too is Pat Shermer has to understand what he's good at, what he's not good at, you know, Utilize his strengths as well. Play to his strengths as well. And you'll be fine. But yeah. we'll see how it goes. So that's going to do it for us today. Real, uh, real quick, uh, Bones Highland tweeted out, playing with MVP, Jamal Murray, Will, MPJ, and the rest of the guys. Um, yeah, it's up. So he uh, he said Will. Yeah. Will Barton's like, uh, Bones, no, you're my new teammate and all. Kind of screwing up my leverage here. I'm a free agent, so let's not. Will Barton, they're testing out the dislike button on Twitter. Will Barton's <laughs> going to create a burner and dislike that. So, like, he's done that a couple times. Like, he tweeted at, I think, Will Barton, and Will Barton responded to him and things like that. I guess they know each other. I think Will Barton knew him when he, uh, Bones was in high school. So, but... <laughs> He includes Will in there. Like, if I'm Will, I'm like, come on, man. Take me out of this. But he's going to be fun, man. They're going to be fun. I to watch him in Summer League. Because I, 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 I'm going to soak it all in in Summer League because I know he's barely going to play in the regular season. Oh, yes. More, more than likely. So He's, he's not going to play he's until the last two minutes of a game, and he's going to steal the show. Him and Marcus I mean, Howard, I, once the I ball goes into their hands, it's a black hole. I, I mean, I guess you never know, though, um, with Jamal's injury. So, that's true. That's true. I mean, to be fair, right? It what we saw in the playoffs was terrible. You, you're not, you're telling me that Bones Island can't crack that rotation? Oh, I mean, what they have thrown out there, yeah. I mean, I mean, I I I don't know if I'd play him over Austin Rivers, but I mean, if Marcus Howard could get in there, you know, then why wouldn't yeah. he be able to get in there? So we're coming up. I mean, listen, uh, preseason starts in like two months. Yeah. So another quick turnaround. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's coming fast and furious and it's going to be here and Jokic will be back. Hopefully he's not fat. 
I think we're over that, but I'm still I'm still a little I'm a little scared. Every time we go into an offseason, I'm like, please, someone limit lock up the fridge at night in Jokic's house. Just have him go play with his horses, feed him natural portions, and then lock up the fridge. Hide it away. Just buy food for one day, every day, and you'll be fine. That's going to do it for us today. Shout out again to Harrison Wynn for taking the time to join us today. Um, Good having him on. Hopefully we can have him on later in the season and talk about uh, where the Nuggets are at. Hopefully we're we're talking about how they're kicking butt on their way to a finals berth. But we'll see. For Brandon Stoll on the other side, I'm Stephen Priest Jr. This has been the Behind the Glass Sports Podcast. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.